Proverbs, chapter 28, just one verse, verse 13. And the Lord says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth, and that's not all, and forsaketh them, shall have mercy. Now we have two sinners here, and they're both equally guilty. There's not any difference in sinners except to the extent, perhaps, of the sin goes. Lord, let some go further than others. But there's not any difference in sinners. We're all sinners. And that's a fact. But the remedy here is different. The remedy. One covers his sins, has trouble. All of his life he has trouble. Covers his sins because God says he shall not prosper. In a spiritual sense, he shall not prosper. He might make a lot of money, but he will not prosper in a godly way. But whoso confesseth, I did it guilty no, that's not all whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy the remedy here is between sins concealed and sins confessed and forsaken now sinners are proud you and I came forth with pride. And sinners are proud. And a sinner wants to do this. What does he want to do? He wants to be thought better than he is. And he wants to have some kind of covering. Got to hide it somehow. That's sinners. The heathen, uh, whatever you call them, heathen morality anyway, taught the pride of depraved nature. One of the big wheels of that kind of thinking was named Cicero. And he said, confession of wickedness is disgraceful and dangerous. And that's what sinners think. It's disgraceful and dangerous. Better keep that hidden. Better not let anybody know that. Religious moralists are nothing in the world but proud heathen. That's all they are. They must at least give wickedness a good name. Isaiah 
Got a lot of scripture tonight. We just look at it, I guess. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Give wickedness a good name. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. And God said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. But a sinner, in order to escape bad consequences, will lie about it. That's the first thing a person will do, is lie about it. What did Cain say in Genesis 4-9? You don't have to turn there. When the Lord said, where's your brother? What did he say? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And that's the, the nature of a sinner. I don't know. He lied. He knew where he was. He buried him. He put him under the ground, shed his blood, and, and killed him. And so sinners lie. Now this is a sad tendency in children. Children. Because children fear punishment, they resort to a lie to cover it up. That's the first thing they think of. How am I going to lie about that? How am I going to hide that? Fear punishment. And before they know it, another lie has to be added to that to cover up the first one. Do young people hear that? Do you ever lie? Of course you do. If you do something bad and you know that you're going to get caught for it, what do you do? Well, you think of some way to cover that up. I didn't do that. Well, I don't know. That was old John down the street. It wasn't me. You hear that? That's what you'll say. <clears throat> Every step adds to sin. You just go progressively from bad to worse. And you do something, you sin, and then you lie about it. You do something bad, and the first thing the little one says, I didn't mean to, Mama. Well, sure you did. Of course you did. Sometimes maybe not, but most of the time, yeah, you meant to. What are the two main sins of young people? What do, you, what do you think? Greed. All right. Huh? <laughs> what is it? Disobedience. All right, disobedience. All right, you had, you kind of struck at it there. The two main sins of young people is stealing and lying. Stealing and lying. Exodus 20:15 God said thou shalt not steal. And you children, you young people, you steal, you're going directly against what God says do not do. 
And besides that, you're hurting your mother and father to a great extent. Thou shalt not steal. And when you get caught in a, an act of thievery and stealing, even if it's a small thing, what's the first thing you do? Who, me? <laughs> huh? That's right, thou shalt not steal. So stealing is, I believe, first, and then lying is second. And it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire. You know what the lake that burneth with fire is? It's called hell. God will punish all liars if those lies are not covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ninety percent of prison inmates, why are they there? Stealing. Ninety percent of prison inmates are there for stealing. And when they were brought up before the judge, they said, well, judge, I didn't do that. And if they'd have been honest, the sentence would have been much lighter. As bad as I hate to say it, a family member stole from me not long ago. And the evidence was all there, and it was just absolutely, a, what do you call it, a shut and close and shut case? Is that what you call it? That person was the only one in the house. Wasn't anybody else there. And after some coercion at first, oh no, what are you talking about? But then after a while it was confessed and then a little later came back and denied it again and said, I just confessed so you'd feel better about it. And I was just taken aback. I'd never really had anybody come back and say, no, I didn't do it the second time. But it was done, and that was the only person that could possibly have done that. And it happened. You ch do you think your father and mother are morons? <laughs> no, no, they're not morons. They've got a lot of sense. They can figure things out. And it's just almost impossible for you to get away with anything, isn't it? Because they're too smart for you. But children act like we're a bunch of stupid morons that don't know anything about anything. That's not so, children. I tell you, you get in trouble with your mother and daddy, they know, they know all about it. And the first thing you'll do, you'll look at them and say, no, I didn't do it. Daddy, do you do that? Any of you do that? Do you tell lies? Everybody looking down now. <laughs> oh, boy. Now then, children, we love you. We talk to you about these things. But let me say something to the fathers and mothers. You may be partly to blame. 
because you have a lenient nature and you let a lot of things go that you ought not let go. And it grows and gets bigger all the time. Leniency is usually your answer. And don't ever use this. Please don't ever use this. My child just got in with the wrong crowd. Don't say that. All of our children are the wrong crowd. Don't blame it on somebody else. Let your children take the blame for whatever it is. And don't tell them, well, you wouldn't have done it if you hadn't been with so-and-so. Why, sure they would. It's their nature. And let me say this while I'm on the mothers and daddies. You are not your children's friend. <laughs> you are your children's mother and father. And if you're trying to be their friend, you're in the wrong place. That's not where God puts you. You be kind and gracious to them, but you are not their friend. You are their father and mother to command and guide and insist on them following your <laughs> guidance. In other words, you are the boss. Friends are equal, aren't they? But your children are not equal with you. They don't have your sense. They don't have your experience. And so you have to guide them. You don't be friends with them. You be a father and mother to them in a kind and gracious way. What do you say to your children? Let me read you something I thought was interesting. This is by Pastor Todd Nybert. What we say to our children. We have all heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. That's another way of saying with James, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. It is our works, our actions, that prove whether or not we believe what we say. Truly, actions speak louder than words. Now we say to our children that the worship of God is more important than anything else. We say that to them, don't we? And we teach them that Christ is present during public worship and emphasize how important public worship is. But what do our actions say when we allow ourselves and our families to miss public worship? We say by our actions that we really do not believe what we say we do. And we tell our children that it's really not that important to us. And what is so tragic about this is, in all likelihood, it will not be that important to them either. Children usually take the actions of their parents a step further. And I've seen that all of my life. All of my life. And you parents, don't ever be mean and rude to one another in the presence of your children because they pick that up quicker than anything. Don't do that. 
If you have to, just be quiet. But now, children, you remember whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. Confess. Fess up. I did it. Confess to your father and mother and then confess to God. I'm guilty. Guilty. Men plead many things to keep from confessing sin. I tell you, you can bring up more excuses. They plead ignorance. Well, I didn't know it was wrong. They plead good intentions. They plead custom. We've always done that. They plead necessity, strong temptation, and even blame the decrees of God for sin. Did you know that? They blame God for it. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah 7 verses 8 through 10 Behold ye trust in lying words that cannot profit Will you steal there's that word steal will you steal murder and commit adultery and swear falsely there's lying and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom you know not and then you come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. <laughs> it's alright if we do all these abominations. God doesn't mind that. Yes he does. But that's what men do. To save our pride the blame must be shifted to another, even if it's God. But God lays it at the right door. Whose door does he lay sin at? James chapter 1, verse 13. It's not the other folks. He doesn't say, well, the wrong crowd ought not made you do that. James 1, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. You're to blame for every evil that you do. You are absolutely and 100% to blame for it. Nobody else can be blamed. People have the the idea to say the devil made me do it. He blamed the devil. Devil made me do it. He gets the blame for your wickedness. Now what is the devil? At most he's a tempter. He can tempt. But when you succumb to his temptation, you willingly sell yourself to his service. And the blame is all yours. The devil never made anybody do anything. We willingly, children willingly steal and willingly lie. And uh, we grown folks do a lot of things willingly. And so God lays the blame at our door. Most of the time, the devil doesn't have to be involved at all. It was the nature that sinned and we are a part of that nature of Adam and we share his responsibility. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. 
our own personal sin, what we do, has approved what Adam did because we consent to it. We say what Adam did was okay because we do the same thing. No man takes any harm but from himself. And you children don't blame anybody else. Don't lie and blame somebody else for something you do because it's your fault. And God holds you accountable for everything that you do. He's not going to blame your mother and daddy. He's going to blame you. You hear me? Now that's the truth if I ever told it. People try to transfer guilt and cover their sin by blaming somebody else. What should you say? What did that old publican say in Luke chapter 18? God, be merciful to that wrong crowd. They made me do that. <laughs> no. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. God, be merciful to me, the chief of sinners. And if we ever have that attitude, and you children need to have that attitude, and say to the Lord, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. A sinner. And that's right. Well, what about all the good deeds that you do? Micah chapter 6. All the good things. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. How are you going to come before God? Young people and older ones too. How, we, how shall we come before the Lord? That's the question I ask here. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? How am I going to get to God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No. Don't come before the Lord with all of these good things you say you do because they're of no effect when you sin. But won't all this outweigh the bad? Oh, no, no, no. Man would rather hide his sin from God himself. What's his chief method of hiding his sin? A blanket of merit. I'm going to pull my self-righteous blanket up and God won't see anything but the good that I've done. Ah, oh. ah, oh, the God that looks on the heart. Children, he knows what you say and do. He knows everything you think. He knows what you're thinking right now. Well, that's a little scary, isn't it? What you must do is receive free mercy. Mercy's free. As a self-condemned sinner, the Almighty God says these attempts to conceal sin will what? Will not prosper. That's what our scripture says. 
in Proverbs chapter 28. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You want to prosper. You want to do well in life, don't you? Don't cover up. Don't lie about your evil things. Learn to be honest. Be honest in everything. If you're in school and you need a pencil and you see one over on the desk, don't reach over and get it. It's not yours. That's as bad as stealing a million dollars from the bank. It's the same thing, you see. Thou shalt not steal. Doesn't make a difference about the value. It's stealing. It's a bad heart. That's what it is. We can't hide, can we? There's no hiding, young folk. Even death, when we die, death won't hide us from the punishment of God. Job 34:22. Chris, I beat you to this one, I guess. Job 34, 22. Well, let's see. Is it Joe? Yeah, Job 34 and 22. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. You can't even hide when you die. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. And so only a sinner who owns up to it, who says, I'm guilty, shall have, you'll have mercy from your mother and father and also you'll have mercy from God himself you tell him that I've done it and that's why we preach man's hellish nature we don't soft pedal the nature of man now if you if you told the real nature of man in most churches be tough on you buddy I'm not that bad oh yeah you that bad man's hellish nature and that's the reason I preach that because until this is established there's no hope there's no hope for these young ones until they realize that their heart is a nest of iniquity and that's the reason I tell them that every time I get up here but thank God now there's, there's good news once we shut up about our supposed goodness and admit our vileness then God reveals the one true covering for sin but not until not until you confess and say Lord I won't do that anymore confess and forsake now, God doesn't need confession for his... He's not trying to find out what you've been doing when he asks you. He already knows, but when he said, what have you been doing? That's for our good, not his. He already knows. And I say again, he knows every thought, he knows every action. And if you confess it doesn't bring any claim on God's mercy did you know that 
Not necessarily, but it opens the way for reception of mercy. And until you do, you don't have any way of mercy until you get honest about this thing. Not only with your mother and daddy, but with God. Repentance is not the Savior, is it? Some folks say, well, I remember when I repented. That's not the way to talk. No, talk about Christ. Don't talk about what you did. Forget about what you did. Repentance is no Savior, but nobody's saved without it. Christ has fully satisfied the claims of divine justice, but the claims must be acknowledged in the humble receiving of his merits in our stead. And you young people must receive Christ, and in receiving him you receive his good. And that's the only good you will ever have is the goodness of Christ. Because you see, you don't have any of your own. And I say you're a good bunch of kids. And what I mean by that is that I like you. I don't mean that you're good in yourself. You're sinful and depraved to the point where you'll lie to your mother and daddy and to everybody else about what you did, aren't you? You be honest about that right now. And it'll help your man confesses his debt, and when he does, he can sing with a psalmist, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression is forgiven. Can you get a hold of that? You know, when you do something and you say, well, Dad, I, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. He always forgives you, doesn't he? And when you confess to God and claim the righteousness of Christ, you can say, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. And that's forever. But now... Repent, confess, forsake. And that all has to do with repentance, true repentance. There's a false repentance. What I'm talking about, this confession, is not the confession of Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 9. Be warned about this. That's the reason that scripture's in Proverbs. Exodus chapter 9, verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, Oh, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Oh, boy, that sounds good. I have sinned this time. But now go down to verse 34. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, <laughs> he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And you know, sometime when 
when your mom and daddy send the rain and hail of a paddle on you, <laughs> that'll happen sometime. And you say, I won't do that anymore. But when that stops and you go off and the hurt quits, what do you do? Do you send some more then? You do the same thing. Don't do that. That's not uh, godly repentance. And then re repentance is not remorse, is it? I'm sorry. It's not remorse. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to that. We don't care about that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple. Was his repentance real? and departed and went and hanged himself. No, that wasn't real, was it? He went and killed himself. He was in such deep, deep gloom inside at what he had done. Instead of truly repenting, he went and killed himself. So that's not what we're talking about. And it's not a formal profession of faith. That's the reason we don't have you young people come down this aisle and make a profession of faith, as most churches do. It's not a mere formal profession of faith as the Pharisees and Sadducees. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Oh, we want to get right here. 3 7. He saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. They said, Man, we want to get in on this. He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You're a bunch of snakes. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat, for repentance, show before God that you have repented of this thing. True faith in repentance does what? If you young people ever truly repent before God, what will you do? You will lay your hand upon the great sacrifice. Now listen, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21. Leviticus 16 and verse 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Well, who does that goat represent? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the high priest laid his hands upon the head of that goat. What's he doing? He's transferring all the sins of the people into that substitute. 
See, you need a substitute. You need somebody to take your place, young people, in your guilt before God. You've got to have somebody take your place. And so when you truly come to the place of being sorry before God for your sins, what do you do? You lay your hands, the spiritual hands, upon the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you don't come down here to the front of this church and shake my hand and say, I want to be saved. You're saved right where you are. Did you know that? God moves on your heart where you are, and then after that's over, you tell us about it. But we don't make that happen. And if I wanted to, I could get all you kids down here every service. I know how to do it. I used to work with a fella that did that all the time. Until I, I just I said, this doesn't seem right. And it took me a while to figure it out. But I said, this is not right. And he would send his report in. He had, uh, I think we got everybody in South Houston saved in two months. Whatever house we went into, we got all the kids down on their knees and you know, won them to the Lord. And he'd get up and say, praise the Lord for salvation. Come to this house. I never saw the kids again. I don't know what happened to them. And you, you young people understand why we don't do that. This thing between you and God. And you better be sorry for your sins before him. You better tell him about it too. Just like you tell your mother and daddy sometime, I'm sorry I did that, and I won't do it anymore. The moment sin is seen to be sin, it's laid on Christ. If you ever see sin as sin, it's laid on Christ. Sin, think of it. What is sin? It's a nature estranged from God. It's a heart full of corruption. They're sins of youth. And we older ones are sins of age. They're sins before and after conversion. We're still sinning. They're sins against light and conviction. They're sins against knowledge and love. The sin of our confessions be enough to send us to hell because they're cold and not right before God. Self-righteous confessions would send us to hell, wouldn't it? So you young ones, you be, you be serious with God because you're sinners. You're just little old sinners. That's all you are. Boy. Hmm. Hmm. And I'm, I'm praying that God will open your understanding to the fact that you're just sinners and you need to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that has to be your attitude all the time. You need to be saved. All right, it's confesseth and forsaketh. Don't forget that last part. This is not the unclean spirit going out and returning with sevenfold influence. That's what's found in Matthew chapter 12. 
And that's what happens to religious people. Look at Matthew 12, 43. You wonder why people get religious and then they're twice as bad as they were before? Here's what happened. Matthew 12, 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And then he saith, I'll return unto my house from whence I came out. That's your body. And when he has come, what does he find? He finds it empty. Christ is not there. The Spirit of God's not there. It was a false profession, empty, swept, and garnished. And then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. You see that? That story is self-explanatory. You reform for a little while. You say, I'm not going to lie to mom and dad anymore and I won't be honest with God. And, but nothing happens to you. And then you get worse and worse as time goes by. That's what happened. When you confess and forsake, it's with a thought of never returning to what you were doing. Job 34, 32, That which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do so no more. Quit it. <laughs> quit stealing. Quit lying. And quit doing all the things that you do. I beg of you. Most people say, Well, I remember when I accepted Jesus. Oh, don't ever say that. If you've got to say something, say it's the grace of God in Christ Jesus that I'm where I am. It's not that I did anything. It's that he did something. True repentance is what? Well, God says it's the cutting off of hands and feet and the plucking out of eyes. That's what true repentance is. That'll be our closing remark. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark 9, verse 43. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. If you want to reach over and steal something, cut your hand off. <laughs> no, God wouldn't have you maim yourself. That's spiritual language. You pull that hand back and act like it's cut off to where it cannot reach out and take anything that does not belong to you. It's better for you to enter into life maimed, that is, without both hands and having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. If your foot offend thee, cut it off. Where your feet take you? Where do you walk with your feet? He said, cut your foot off. It's better for you to enter halt or maimed into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. 
where the worm never dies. I don't know what that worm is, but never dies, and the fire never goes out. I don't know what that fire is. It's not fire like we know fire, else it would consume the bodies. I don't know what kind of fire it is, but it's a bad fire. If your eye offends you, what do you look at, children? Young people, what are you looking at all the time? Are you looking for ways to do bad things? Pluck out your eyes. pluck out your eye because it's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. In other words, quit doing what you're doing. That's what he's talking about. Where the worm dieth not in the fire is not quenched. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh these shall have mercy. And what about the others back in our text? What about people who do not confess and forsake? Well, this is what it says. Whoso he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Don't lie to your mom and daddy. Don't lie to God. Just be honest about it. You need to be saved. You need to be released from your evil nature and have your sins forgiven. And I beg you, I, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you'd think about these things. Because I know what kind of heart you have. Because the same kind I have. And I remember my young years. And I'm not standing up here, young people, as a model for you back yonder when I was young. I stole and lied and did everything else an evil heart could get into. But I tell you, God has wiped all that out in the blood of Christ. All that's forgiven. And so I'm on your side. I'm not against you. And I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not looking down on you because I was the same thing. But I know what the Lord Jesus can do. You young people, be honest with your mom and daddies and confess your evil and quit it, whatever it is.